Welcome to a new episode of These Go to Eleven. Let's turn it up. Hey everybody, welcome back to These Go to Eleven, an unchurchy conversation about everyday faith. Please make sure you like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. This not only helps us to get our content out there, but also helps us to find out what you, our faithful listeners, think. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to these Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me as always, Greg Dutcher. Greg, what's going on, man? Surviving, man. Surviving. That's right. Getting through January. What what date is this coming out, dude? It's yeah, January. It's a good question. Uh pull that up real quick. We got December, January. This is our this is January 16th. January is when this 16th, will drop. Yeah. And you are actually technically not here. Uh, no, I'm back. Oh, you're back. I'm oh, okay. Back. Yes, okay. I'm recently back. See, we're giving a little inside magic of pre-recording. That's right. Um, yeah, I was gone uh, from the 5th of January through the 13th. Okay. Yeah, so that was back. last week then that yep. You, yep. Would have, you would have been gone. And so. it was fantastic. <laughs> little little prophetic message there prophetic word prophetic word yeah it's hard to believe how quickly that'll be uh will have been my third residency of four if i stick with the ma uh in in writing yep if i go the full distance which i think i'm planning to Mm -hmm. uh it'll be uh six residencies total okay uh to get the the mfa master of fine arts so we'll see but uh so you finish the ma June, June, and then uh, if you go the MFA, it'll be the following June. Exactly, exactly. Cool. So there'll be another January residency, and then that final June residency yep. to wrap everything up. Uh, but it's it's good, dude. And Lisa's been nothing but great. She's been very supportive of of the trip, and it's helping me just become a better communicator, particularly in writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, dude, with my ADHD, one of the benefits for me has been just kind of formulating thoughts categorizing them yeah even before i start expressing them and it's it's for me it's a good discipline nice and a great transition because it overlaps with preaching yeah and sermon dispensing right yeah it's it's almost like we should talk about that today hey you know what we are going to talk about that today. yeah see look at that it's it's like we're right there greg we're right there We're simpatico, um, baby. That's right. Uh, so, yes, in uh, January, we are talking about really uh, what goes on in the message, right? The preparation of the message, the yep. delivery of the message, after the message, <clears throat> and how do we, as as the congregation, as the people, what is our role and what is our process in all of that as well? So, not only what's going on in your mind, Greg, but... But what should we be thinking about? How should we be responding? And so last week we talked about the prep. Yeah. Talked about your prep. Yep. Talked about our prep as a congregation, right? Uh, the 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 biggest thing that we can do is pray. Mm. I mean, it's, it, it, you know, it, there are a few other things that we said, you know, hey, read the text ahead of time. Yeah, Start sure. thinking through that. Uh, find out what commentaries you're using yep. and and kind of get a hold of those so that we can look through those with you. 
but but really the the first line of defense here is is prayer right prayer that you are staying faithful to the text prayer that you are getting clarity and wisdom as you're reading through the text uh, prayer that we are able to discern the things that you say in light of what scripture says yeah um, I mean this is you know Paul commends the Bereans for this that they just didn't sit there and let scripture let his words pass over them but they actually got into scripture and yeah. checked right they were they were fact checkers for <coughs> what me. he was saying to make sure that this was indeed the word of god and paul doesn't berate them for it he doesn't you know say why do you have to go back and you know he commends oh, them for that dude. absolutely i mean that is that is key you know i i get a little ahead here but i'll just say everybody who's in a growing relationship with Christ, mm -hmm. who is presumably understanding his word and reading and learning things all the time, you kind of have, in a good way, I always have uh, you know, several hundred fact checkers. Yeah. That's how I like to think of it, right? Yeah. Which is really good because it, it it's a catalyst for me to, by the grace of God, get, it right yes right yeah to, to, to get it right lord i want to really understand what you're saying in this passage and how this passage at this moment in our lives in our church life and in our mm -hmm. individual lives um intersects with us yeah and can shape us and mold us uh yeah that's a big deal and to know that you've got people that you know, you, you really can't pull the wool over. Yeah. Uh, a growing, educated, well-informed congregation. It's it's a blessing for the congregation. It's a blessing for its pastor or yeah. preacher uh, because um, it's it, we're in it together. Yeah. Right? We're trying to understand what yeah. God is saying to us. Yeah. The preacher doesn't go to the mountaintop and come down with right. the truth for the little people right. here. That's not... That's not how it works. Right. It, it's a, uh, and I love your example there from Acts 17, the, the Bereans. Um, you know, it says it's, it, it's comparative. They were more mm -hmm. noble-minded than those at Thessalonica. The, the Thessalonians, there was belief. That's yeah. to be celebrated. Berea, there seems to be belief and a deep, passionate inquiry into Scripture. Yeah. Is what these guys are saying, does it jive? Does it gel? Yeah. And Luke notes that, yeah, which is not to be lost. So, yeah, uh, I, I'm excited to talk about this, dude. This is, uh, like I say, I live and die by the Sundays. Yeah. I always know the Sundays that are coming, and yep, uh, <clears throat> you know the um, the the year always tends to go quickly. Well, we got 52 of them. I know right. that, uh, and I know some of them are pre-devoted, right, to Christmas and Easter and uh, different seasons. Uh, yes, and I know that. Right. Uh, I know I'm going to miss a few with vacation and schedule and sickness, etc. Yep. So they're always kind of rolling out before me. Yeah. Uh, and it's always a great privilege to uh, stand and deliver. So, yeah, dude, uh, prompt me. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Well, let, okay. So we, we're talking today about about the actual service itself, right? Yeah. That was the pre. That was last week. This is the actual service. Uh, we find ourselves back in the book of Mark. Yep. So during the service, let's start with you. Yeah. What What are you doing? What is your process? Because 
obviously you, you've you've been thinking about this. You've been working through that. You talked us through your process leading up to it. Yeah. But thinking through, let's let's start with uh, you know kind of uh, behind the stage area. We yeah. have what's called our green room. Yeah. Um, I know that that you tend to head back there. Uh, you know earlier sometimes. Sure. And and you're just. <clears throat> You're watching uh, the the music and what's going on during that time yep. of music worship. Yep. Um, you know, so so walk us through like that. You know, your starting space back there in the green room up to coming out on stage. Uh, the prayer as whoever's doing the uh, hosting is wrapping up. Yeah. Kind of walk us through what's going on and walk us through the things that are going through your mind during the service. Uh, how are you navigating reading the crowd? Because I mean, let's face it, dude. Uh, I've been up there many times. Those spotlights—it's hard to see people out there. Um, so You're not just, kidding. You know, just kind of walk <clears throat> us through that. Sure. Uh, uh, thanks for asking that. Actually, that's that's a great place to start. Yeah, I do get back there kind of early. Uh, I will try to be more engaged with people after the service. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I know this sounds strange. There's always a risk. I, I, when I, on Sunday mornings, I don't know if all preachers are like this, but I certainly am. Do you remember that feeling, Nathan, when you were about to take a test mm-hmm. and the answers are there, but you feel like if you sneeze, a bunch of them are going to fall out? <laughs> yeah. That's that's kind of how it feels sometimes, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, I'd love to tell you, no, that thing is so embedded. I haven't preached it yet. Yeah. When in the past, when we've done multiple services, that's a whole different subject because usually by that second, or oh my word, when we did three, three. Uh, in another lifetime, wow, yeah. um, you certainly know it. And you also know the sermon, not just in its prep stage, but in its execution phase. So, what I tend to do is I get back there, I still chat with people. You and I have talked back there many times. Yeah. Um, but you're right, it's nice. We have some nice technological advantages that mm-hmm. they didn't have. Uh, in the not too distant past, we've got a, a TV back there that has the same thing that people that watch online see. Mm-hmm. It's the same cast. So you get, you know, you what's happening uh, in on the front with yep. our, our worship team. You see some people in the congregation, uh, you know, depending on the angle. And it gives you a little sense of the gathering. Mm-hmm. Of, of So that's wonderful. And, you know, the lyrics can sometimes take us away. If somebody stops to pray, uh, that can take us away. What I'm generally doing... I have the sermon on my phone, Mm -hmm. and just I should say this, where I am at this stage in my kind of preaching life, uh, my sermon looks exactly like the slides that come up. Mm -hmm. Years ago, I had annotated slides, so I had notes on each slide. I no longer have that. Mm -hmm. That's not, I'm not trying to sound impressive. Maybe that's dumb that I don't. Um, But I'm at a point I don't need it. Mm -hmm. If I've prepared well, I know why slide three, slide four, slide five lead into slide seven. Yeah. The scriptures, the quotes, maybe an illustration. So what I'm working on when I'm back there, mainly, Nathan, is my transitions. Yeah. Because those aren't written out. And I'm thinking, okay, so I'm kind of simultaneously praying and thinking, okay, right, yeah, so I'm going to go from Mark 5 here. I'm going to go back to Exodus because there's a reference here. That's why, because the encounter that Jesus has here seems to parallel Moses' encounter. And I'm kind of doing this right, right? So yeah. sometimes it's as simple as saying, right, 
the careful reader has seen this before. Yeah. And that's my transition, right? Look back at Exodus 5. Sometimes it might be a little more elaborate, yeah. you know, because it's a series of questions. Why is Mark highlighting this? Yeah. Why would he want this? And it's sort of a staccato. Why? Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Those are the things I don't have written out I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, my memory is usually good enough, particularly in the moment that I don't need to. Yep. But I do need to kind of run through those, and I mm. sometimes almost speak them. Yep. You know, I kind of whisper speak them. So that's what I'm doing before yeah. I come out, and it's sort of my last, it's almost the, the final link from prep to delivery yep. is to just go through those transitions. Yeah. And it's also a wonderful way to just refamiliarize with the sermon. I'll tell you one of the cool things that happens, it's just a total divine providence thing to me is sometimes where I am working through the transitions, mm-hmm. a line in the song matches. Yeah. That, that gives you the chills. You're like, oh, yeah. my goodness, wow. I didn't even know that was coming, and you heard it. And it's a very special experience. You're just kind of excited, Yeah, you know, that, wow, this really resonates with what we're singing and what we're yep. praying about. So that's what I'm doing mainly back there. And yeah. I may occasionally have a, a donut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's that's only when I really need that extra push. That's right. That's right. That's that, you know, that's not every Sunday. <laughs> no, no, no. It's um, it's it's at no more than five out of six. That's right. <laughs> I mean, no more. Maybe seven out of eight occasionally. But you know, that's that's it. Matt oh, has to man. put that box of Satan temptations back there for me. <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, man, I had breakfast at home. Boy, that Boston cream looks good. Right. Boy, that'll help me preach better. That's right. Um, <laughs> Just that, that extra bit of sugar. <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> peaked right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, dude. Um, oh, man. But yeah, it's a neat time back there, yeah. actually. It, it's a neat time. And sometimes, depending on what's going on, uh, like I'm, I'm, I never want, I hope I, I hope I haven't been, I never want to be the guy that like, oh, can't be disturbed. Right, right. Um, well, you know. Literally, God knows that I've been back there and disturbed you how many oh, times? Dude, like, no, <laughs> and I, and that's why I'm back there a little earlier because I don't yeah. do it in one five minute spot. Yeah, I just, if I do it enough, it it really helps. Yeah, and I almost if I do it too soon, the transitions. I know it sounds weird. Yeah, I won't remember the transitions. Yeah, so I kind of have to do it then. Sure, uh, sure, and then it's fresh enough that they stick. When I've preached multiple services in the past. Usually, I don't need to do it a second time. Yeah, I've preached it, so I now have a, a I have the movie in my head. Yeah, and I'll make improvements. But sure, that's that's let's all let's actually hang on that before we get out to the main <laughs> service. Um, you know, talking about the multiple services because again, uh, in our history, we've done that. I mean, we're we're coming up, uh, or we just came out of Christmas. Yep, uh, Christmas Eve, where we had two services. Um, talk to me about that. Uh, the 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 ups and downs of the two and the three. Yeah. Um. Are there any ups with the three? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, I mean, you've got that. You you must have that sermon in cold by the time oh, you get to yeah. that third one. Sometimes too cold. Yeah. Um, that's what you know. We did that for almost three years, and I mean, I wow, more power to the the people that that do that. Some service. Some churches have four services, right? Yeah. Yeah. More, and I, I can't imagine it. Um, so I'll talk about two first. Yeah. Um, the benefit to two, mm-hmm. it typically accommodates growth well. Yeah. Um, because 
Matt always makes this point. I think he, he's right. It's exciting when you're at one service and it's fully packed. Yeah. I think that might be more exciting for core people, staff, people really involved in the service because there's always an energy that comes with a, a bigger crowd. That's just a, that's just called social validation. Right? Sure. I mean, psychologists have been talking about that for years. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily as <clears throat> pleasant for the folks sitting in the chairs. Yeah. Um, if anything, it might feel, boy, this seems a little crowded. This seems mm. a little too much. So the ideal is you always want to have a fullness mm-hmm. of people that that gives a sense of community and connection, and a, there's a dynamic that's really nice yeah. when you have enough people. Um, there should also be some space. Yeah. Uh, so two services, churches tend to grow when they go to two services because uh, you give people options. Mm. And now what happens is, oh man, when it was going to be a ten, I wouldn't have been able to make that. Uh, but now it's going to be like our old times were, uh, what were they, dude? Nine, nine fifty. Was it nine thirty, nine forty-five, something like that? Uh, or I think it was no, it was nine and ten forty-five. Yes, yes, nine and ten forty-five. Yes. So now you're like, you know what? Uh, we have to get on the road by ten thirty. I can do the nine a.m. Yeah. Uh, and now if there's three or four families, uh, you've added potentially 20 plus people yeah. uh, that would not have been there when you had one mm-hmm. or vice versa. You got 1045, man, you know, uh, I think if it had been a 10, we would have gotten there a little too late, but we can get there right at 1040 yeah. and be there for the 1045. It just happened all the time. And most of the studies bear that out. Um, so to me, when you have two services, what you want to do is make sure that they mirror each other as closely as possible. Yes. Because the downside yeah. is you do lose that, oh, man, yeah. you're you're not all there at the same time. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, there's a sense, oh, I didn't see so-and-so at church today. Oh, they were actually here at the last one, yeah. you know, at nine. Oh, shoot. Um, I wanted to say something to him or her. You know, there, there's that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so in light of that, I think the best thing the church can do to counter that inevitable minus mm-hmm. um, is to make sure that the services are as close yep. as possible. The same songs. Uh, th- that way, if you and I were at two different services during uh, uh, you know, a given Sunday, but we connected on Thursday right. to talk about the sermon or about yeah. something that took place in church or a special testimony or announcement. Yeah. Wasn't that awesome? Oh, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, that's not good. Yeah. Because uh, we want to know, oh, Nathan and I are in the same church. Yep. We're being fed the same way. We're with the the, the people. So that would be my thought. Um, now, having said that, I'm going to contradict myself. Uh, I think a preacher is a fool if he doesn't make some changes right um, after the first one. So I always say um, the best sermon that I have preached in the last few years, no one has ever heard Yeah, because it's the sermon in my head right. when I'm driving home. And it's inevitable. Every yeah. time I drive home, I'm thinking about, oh, you know what? I wish I hadn't dwelt on this, but it emphasized this. Yeah. You know what? In light of the conversations I had after church, I really wish I'd focused on this. Yeah. Um, and in the second service, 
people, and you probably remember, dude, because uh, you were there often for, for multiple ones. Mm-hmm. People that paid attention could tell, oh, you changed some things. Yeah, yeah. You know, not, not, it wasn't Oh, yeah, no, sermon, not dramatic, yeah. <clears throat> but maybe the intro. Yeah. Um, or maybe the way I set up yeah. the takeaway thought yeah. was a little more focused. Yeah on a specific thing going on in our church right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can remember a couple times uh, when that was going on in various community groups that I was in, uh, you know, people attending different yeah. services. And you know, we talk about uh, a story, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it was something you mentioned in the first service, yep. but you didn't mention it in the second because happen. you were running out of time. Yep. And so we're, you know, talking about, oh, you know, yeah, it's like that story Greg told. What are you talking about? He right. He didn't tell a story. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, well, he did it in the first service. That's true. <laughs> you know, That's and true. so and so sometimes you'd have those discrepancies or like you said you're changing something and maybe you found an illustration that works better. Right. So, yeah, you told a story in the second one, but it was a different one than you told the first yeah. time because oh, this was a better illustration to give yes. with the text and the context of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um so yeah, we you know uh, oftentimes we'd experience again, like you said, minor things like that. You of know, course. the heart of the message is always, uh, always the same, um, but but those little nuances can change throughout that time. No doubt. One of the things that that you uh, that I know we did from a technical perspective, and we just planned this was. We would record both services, but oftentimes what would release would be the second. Agreed. Um, yes, and, that's and it right, was just, dude. It, it was it was tighter. It was mm-hmm. uh, again, like you said, you had you had more time to kind of think through things that that were going on inside oh. your head. Um, oh, I forgot to say this in the first one. I need to make sure I say it in the second one. Or I messed up the scripture reference in the first one, and here Always. it fixed it in the second one. Dude, hey, here's, here's how I view it. If you have a job interview yeah. and you think you did fairly well mm-hmm. and you're replaying it in your head, and then all of a sudden you're Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, <laughs> and you retain the memory of that first interview and you do it again, yeah, you're a fool. Yeah. To not make improvements. Now, the interview should essentially be the same. Right. But maybe, you know, you gave the lamest answer on what are your weaknesses? Right. And you gave the the typical, you know, sometimes I care too much. Yeah. Sometimes I just work too hard. Yeah. And get disappointed. You know, the, that's the kind of cliche answer. And you're like, you know what? I, I'm going to be a little more candid right. about it. You know, sometimes I get frustrated um, when things aren't clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to think an employer would appreciate the honesty of that answer. So I'm going to improve that. It's the same thing. When you have a Groundhog Day moment, you're crazy to not take advantage yeah. of that because we're always trying to improve. So I would often, I didn't want to really broadcast that because they weren't different enough. Yeah. But the second sermon, usually, yeah, usually I felt a little bit better about. Sure. There were times where the first one I did, yeah, uh, because maybe something very special happened that was a little more spontaneous. Yeah, uh, if you want to sound a little more, you know, spiritual, spirit right. led. Um, and the second one, it was maybe not quite there as naturally, mm-hmm. and it was forced. So that would happen. Yeah, but in general, I would say the second one because e- even I saw it with worship too. You're, yeah, like you said. Oh, we're making some improvements. We're going to transition this mm-hmm. song a little smoother, etc. But that's yeah. just. Yeah, I mean, we that's all do the nature that. of 
anything oh, you do, when you course. have a second opportunity to do it, it's going to get tighter. Most teachers I know, and I think you would agree, Nathan, say the second time through a class, yeah, uh, better than the first year. Oh right? yeah, right. You know. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, I know what worked, what didn't. I'm going to yep. make improvements and get this thing down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and really, you know, bump it up to right three services. I mean, now you're you're almost stretching some things out more, right? You talked about, you know, kind of the emotion and the spontaneity. Yeah. I mean, really, uh, by the time you're getting to that third, it, it's got to be rough to drum up Dude. That, that same sense of authenticity in the emotion aspect of things. When I would do three services, I felt so ethically conflicted. Yeah. Because you know me, Nathan. I'm a crier. Yeah. Emotional and... I, I am, as I've said, trying to do that a little bit less, and I've, I've because I'm trying to respect um, the reality that emotion can be a manipulative tool. Yeah, I don't want it to be, but I, I, I don't want to turn a blind eye to the fact that I watch all these documentaries uh, on mega churches that fall, and and a lot of times, you know, there's some. You hear people. I'm not sure. It seemed like they were working us with the tears yeah. and manipulation. It's hard for me because you know I cry all the time. Yeah. But it. I didn't always cry all the time during the third sermon. I was pretty right. cried out. Right. I was pretty spent. But I wanted again to reiterate the point. All three iterations of yeah. that one congregation to have a shared experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, so now I'm talking about this and I'm not feeling it. Like, do I gin up the emotion that I don't naturally feel? Right. Um, it was tough. Yeah. It, it, it was It was tough. And you're just kind of spent. Yeah. Uh, and the third service in most churches, there might be a few exceptions, tends to be uh, the smallest. Yeah. Sometimes the first, uh, but the, the, the second one tends to be the largest. So sometimes there can be kind of a deflating yep. aspect to it uh, when you've got lots of hollow spaces yeah. spread out, you know, little clusters of people with, with big gaps. You know, these are the quote unquote unspiritual things that shouldn't matter. Right. Of course they do. Yeah. Of course they matter. There, There's a reason if you show up at a church event in a huge room and there's 21 people yeah. in a room that might accommodate 200 it often feels like, oh, it was kind of a bust. Yeah. If you wisely can determine, you know, I see not many people showing up. Hey, everybody, let's walk back here to the lounge area. Yeah. And you have those same number of people in that different area. You've just wisely managed the environment. Yeah. And there's an intimacy, but it's kind of full. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you had 21 people at your house for Thanksgiving, right? uh, that's a lot of people. (laughs) That's That's what we had almost, not quite, but pretty close this past uh, fall. Yeah. so, yeah, it's just interesting how these things change our responses, yeah. our expectations. And, well, yeah, you don't want to manipulate, right. but, but you want to be wise right. in what context will maximize what you're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, a couple things to what you just said. You know, one is, uh, Greg, have you ever tried the Joey Tribbiani uh, school of, of method acting where if you need to gin up the tears, you just have a little tweezer inside yeah. your pocket <laughs> and you yeah. just pull the hairs out of your leg? Absolutely, dude. <laughs> Heck, these days I can just pull them out of my ears or, uh, oh, well, sorry for that. I guess that's a little bit gross, but yeah, absolutely, dude. Yeah, I remember that. Just... Pull it out, get the tears going. Uh, all I have to do is think about my performance of my fantasy football team this past uh, 
year. That that gets me going. Uh, it's not hard. Right. Or I think about an epic film with a sad scene like Major League Two. Um, and then I'm, I'm good as gold, dude. Um, uh, or the ever classic Scrooge. Right. Where- <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. Yeah, something about a toaster. Um, anyway, that keeps coming up. So that was the first, and and then the second thing that kind of you know brought to my mind with with spacing and things like that. I'm thinking back to November, where uh, CFC was gracious enough to host um, our leadership conference oh, for yeah. Redeemer. Yeah, that was fun. You know, it, it, the idea had crossed my mind. Well, let's just let's put the kids in the auditorium. Mm-hmm. And just everything will be there. It'll be easy. Great example. But it, it just it dawned on me that that that's that's not going to work. This no. space there's over 200 seats in yep. the auditorium uh, for 25 kids. Dude, dude, perfect example. And I yeah. remember speaking that first morning. Yeah. And it just felt right. Yeah. We had them in the uh, kids. Yeah. Area. The upstreet room. Yep. Upstreet room, and it just kind of had a nice setting. Yeah. It wasn't. Plenty big enough, yep. Enough space, but it wasn't so big that you felt like you were in a in a big echo chamber yeah, in the middle exactly. of a, a cornfield somewhere, yeah. right? Hello, hello, right. Hello. You know, it's pretty bad when you get up to speak and you feel like Caw-caw! right. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't feel good. Yeah, um, and I mean, both you and I, we started off using the microphones. Yeah, uh, it just it for some reason the microphones were yeah they weren't it working out. that day I remember but we were able to lay those down and just kind of project a little more yeah. and it, it was no problem because no. it was like you said the room was was big but it wasn't it wasn't overt for the amount of people that we had in there twenty five high schoolers filled that space nicely those things matter dude I know yeah. we're we're a little outside of preaching but I'm glad because this is the environment where preaching takes place and it it matters yeah it matters and we think about these things purposely yeah uh so that again we're hoping and praying for maximal impact yes right and i know if you put people in a room that could be distracting yeah that's going to lessen the impact yep so it's just about i think good choice well and, and again we're talking about the the prep right and so the prep that our leadership team does for those services oh, yeah. But but also the prep for us as the congregation, right? We we see and notice those things. Oh, Sunday was a little thin this past week. Oh, of course. Or you of know, course. oh yeah. wow, we were kind of busting at the seams. Yeah. Uh, so so you know, those are things that we are taking into consideration as well. That <clears throat> during the service, these things can be distractions. I'm yeah. not saying that they are for everyone. I'm not saying they have to be, but they can be. Yeah. Right. And and we've talked about before. Paul seems to have a heart for uh, the outsider and what their thought process is when looking at a service. Yeah. And so taking those things into account, and if I'm looking at that as an insider thinking these things, what is an outsider thinking? Uh, couldn't agree more, dude. 100%. So talk to us a bit about, um, you know, the the once you're kind of on stage and you're going through mm-hmm. your your message... Uh, what are the things that you are actively doing as you're preaching? Because I know you don't, what, whatever you were prepping and planning on the side, once you get into it, 
you know, you might have thought that there was a joke oh, yeah. that was going to hit big. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And it just totally flopped. Or you might have thought, like, I'm going to throw this in here, but, you know, I might get a couple of chuckles. And it, it hit huge. And yeah. so being able to, like, ebb and flow with your with who is listening to the message and in reading that. Talk, talk to us about how you do that. How do you read the um, the people who are listening to the message. Well, I think that's just it. The the thing that's going on, and it's I would say this when I was younger, that secondary dialogue is there, but it's weaker. Mm-hmm. And I tend to view it. This is my kids would laugh. My sons would laugh at me for saying this. Uh, they say in the NFL um, or in football in general. The more you play, the game slows down. I heard John Elway, a uh, mm. famous quarterback of the Denver Broncos, who said he'll never forget that those first few games in the NFL, the ball is snapped to you, and it is sheer terror mm. because you recognize, oh, in college, there's a few superstars on each team. Everybody out here was that superstar, mm. and now they're pro. And the defense, these 11 guys, they really want to do one thing. They want to take your head off. Yeah. And they they are big, strong, physical, the most athletic specimens on the planet. And they're coming after you. Yeah, and I heard him say that one time. I'm not even doing it justice. But he captured the, the thing there. And he says, the more you play, mm-hmm. the game slows down. Which is why it's rare to have a rookie quarterback who is a mega talent. There's a few that have done it, I think. Mm-hmm. Andrew Luck actually did this, who played for the Colts uh, mm-hmm. uh, years later. But not many. Not mm-hmm. many start and stay at, because the game has to slow down. Yeah. So, yeah, that's as close. I, I don't know that from the field, dude. Sure, Since sure. you can tell by looking at me, I'm just jello, basically, on in size 13 shoes. But I um, preaching, the experience has slowed down. Yeah. In the early years, it's just about... Oh Lord, help me! Help me! Help me be faithful! Help me communicate clearly! And I still care about all those things, right? But my secondary dialogue is running almost parallel with it. Mm. I'm reading the reaction of the congregation, mm. and it matters. Yeah, um, I don't always make the right choice, mm-hmm. but I'm glad that I I'm trying to. There are times where I think. Lord, help me. I, I, I need. Here's the reason I use humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use it very intentionally. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I like humor. You sure. and I both know we yeah. like to, to joke around. But when I'm preaching, I use it intentionally because it helps people put their guard down. Yeah. It helps people, I believe, become more receptive. Yeah. A little more relaxed uh, and becoming a little more comfortable. And what are you praying for? Receptivity. Yeah. That the message, the truth that you're hoping to dispense and share can be understood, absorbed, and then percolate, right? Really get get into the heart and mind of your listener. So humor. um, There are times where I feel like I'm losing the congregation. Mm -hmm. Maybe I explain this poorly. Probably no maybe. Just it was too complex. It was clear to me. But I can tell it was as clear as mud mm-hmm. by the facial expressions. So I, I'm, I'm thinking, Lord, give me something somewhat funny. Yeah. If it's a self-effacing thing, 
if it's a reference to a movie or, or something that might engage people, I'm doing that. I, I believe I've got a very short time. Mm-hmm. The most important thing I do in the week, I tell people all the time if they want to meet me for counseling, I, I can't do that as much as mm-hmm. the church has grown and my schedule has changed. But I, I mean this, dude. The best counsel I can give anyone is those 30 or 35 minutes I speak on Sunday because that that's where I've put most of my energy yeah. and most of my thought. And it's I, I'll tell people that, not in a, in, in a dismissive way. This is the best counsel I can give you yeah. um, this week in general because I've put the most into it. So that secondary dialogue alerts me to some things. It alerts me to, am I losing their attention? Mm-hmm. It's very easy to do. Um, am I confusing them? Am I boring them? And I say me because God isn't boring. Right. God isn't confusing. Right. God is not uh, uninteresting. Right. So it must be me somehow gumming this thing up. Yeah. And I mean that. Yeah. And I take that very, very seriously. So to me, kind of simultaneous adaptation is more important to me than it's ever been. Yeah. It's funny when you were talking about talking to the uh, the students last fall mm-hmm. that you had here uh, for that leadership conference, the high school kids. Um, you know, I only spoke what maybe thirty minutes that day. Yeah, I think that sounds and, about right. And then you kind of interviewed me. It was fun, but I was making adaptations in that. Yeah, mm, I've gone five minutes here. I like to hear laughter from students, not for oh, it makes me feel good. Right, tells me they're engaged. Yeah. And okay, I need to work on something here. You know, I'll drop a reference how my kids right. call me L Man. Right. That always seems to work because they, they know that lingo. Um, so I would say that's the biggest thing in recent years that I've come to appreciate is I, I actually think experienced preachers have an obligation to read their congregation as mm-hmm. best as they can. Sure. Um, now, I'm not talking about entertaining. Yeah. I'm talking about engaging. Right. And sometimes, this is where it's the hardest, when you have to say some hard things mm-hmm. and you are trying to discern, Lord, is their reaction the right reaction because this is a disturbing section? Yeah. This should not make us feel comfortable. Right. And if it that's doing it, I don't want to mess with that. Yeah. So stay on the point. Yeah. Don't let up. Uh, Etc. Um, so my metaphor, not my metaphor. I love John Stott and his metaphor mm. for preaching. The best book I've read on preaching, dude. And I, I don't, not even sure it's in print now. It's in and out of print through the years. Is John Stott's book Between Two Worlds? Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. Brian Chapel's book Christ Centered Preaching is great. Mm. Love it. Stott Stott's a little more literary. <clears throat> it resonates with me. His metaphor that he works through the book is that the preacher stands between two worlds. Mm. There's the world of the Bible, and then there's the world of the present day. Mm. The congregation lives in the present day. The truth is in the world of the Bible, and you're a bridge builder. And he says, sometimes you're taking the world of the Bible into uh, the the current world. And sometimes you're taking your people into the world of the Bible. Yeah. Either way, you want that bridge sturdy. Yeah. You want it accessible. 
you want it clear. You don't want obstacles. You don't want a lane closed. Yeah. There's so many ways you can work this metaphor. But that's what I view it. The, the, the power, the truth is in that world of the Bible. Yeah. But it's meant for the people here. And I love that between two worlds yeah. is his kind of constant metaphor. It's so good. So I, I think of that a lot when I'm preaching, Nathan. Like it, there's always a, so there's the dialogue. If there's a third dialogue, it's Lord, please let this stick. Please let this stick. And I will sometimes, you've probably heard me say that when I pray at the end, and I mean it. I'd say, Lord, anything that I said that was just me. Yeah is not particularly important. Yep. Who cares? I'm just one guy of, what, seven, eight billion people on the right. planet. Who gives a rip what I think about anything? But seriously. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I probably got some of me in there. Yeah. Of course I do. I'm telling illustrations and yep. stories. Anything I said that resonates with Scripture, that served the truth and helped get the truth across that bridge, may it stick. Yeah. And then I really pray anything that was just me and unhelpful that it would just kind of drift. Yeah. In general, I'd say that's what happens. Yeah. Because he's so kind. Yes. And his spirit is so good. Um, but so when I'm preaching, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Last thing I'll say, dude. Yeah. Uh, the takeaway thought. Yeah. Has really helped me. And I hope the congregation, it's kind of like a thesis statement in an essay. Yep. Having taught writing uh, several times now. I said, you want to give a roadmap for your people uh, to kind of understand, yeah. even if they don't remember, oh, what was that cross-reference? Right. Was that Ezekiel or Exodus? It was an e-book, and it was Old Testament, I think. Uh, or no, that might have been Ephesians. Was it New Testament? You know, you might not yeah. remember, but if you could remember, well, the main point of this was like one of my, I think the one I did before I started the Christmas series was... Uh, a title I've used before, but a different text, Long Lay the World. Yeah. My main point there, that all, if you can, the world is broken. Yeah. And only God can fix it. Yeah. Like, that's it. There's a lot yeah. more I say than that. Yeah. But if you leave with that, yeah. And you saw that somewhat in this beautiful, technicolor, splendid world of the Bible. Yeah. I feel good. Then that's good. Yeah. No, that's. And that's great. Um, we are uh, running a little more out of time, but I do I do yeah. want to address um, the congregation from from your vantage point. How should we be engaging with the message as it's being preached? Um, because yeah. this this isn't you know this isn't a traditional teaching setting. This isn't a classroom setting. You know, when I'm in my classroom, I'm. Uh, I'm using the Socratic method with my students. I'm asking them questions. Yeah. Right. Go back to um, go back to November, where I had my students out for the leadership conference. You did session one. I did session two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Smith, uh, gracious enough to do session three during the middle of a very busy week for yeah, him with preaching right. and everything right. else. Um, that's good for him. What does Matt do? Right. Does that guy ever work? Oh wait. He was watching Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's probably true. While he was working. While he was working. While he was balancing a spreadsheet or something, yeah. Um, but you know, uh, delivering this to my students was was difficult. I forgot how difficult it is to get up there and just simply speak without the engagement and the interaction of the students. Yes. Um, 
but there is a process in which we can be engaging with you. And so talk to us about that. Oh, How yeah. do we as the congregation, the people there listening to you, engage with you as you're speaking? Let me do two things here. Dude. Yeah. Number one, I'm going to answer, give something on what you ask, because that I think that's critical that we at least end with that. Two, do we have our final ones? Because you know what could be, dude, a mm-hmm. separate podcast. That yeah. That I've always wanted to. I've almost thought of doing a sermon on this, but maybe a podcast is better. Is what do we do with a boring sermon? Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's important. Actually, uh, interestingly, we do not yet have our final one for January. We were still hashing that out. Because Can we make our- it that? Let's do it. Because I, I, that <clears throat> dude, I, I've been thinking about that a lot. Yeah, I'm not just saying it to sound falsely humble. I have given many a boring sermon. I go back and look at some, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I thought this was engaging. Right. This is a just disorderly mess that probably in my little study felt connected. But when I look at it, when I look at it years later, yeah, and I can't tell what the heck held it all together that's usually a bad sign so i having given my share of them and having heard i could do that so let me just say this for now i definitely think a mistake we make as american evangelical christians Mm. many of us have heard a lot of really good teaching yeah let's face it i mean in this day and age see if this was 1950 um (laughs) You had your local preacher, and that was about it. Yeah. Maybe Billy Graham was coming to town, right? Right. Uh, you did not have the options today. You you could not open up your iPhone and listen to some of the most dynamic, w- biblically well-informed. Good old Alistair Begg in that Scottish yeah, accent. Scottish accent by Begg, which is so good. I mean, you just didn't have it. Yeah. So I do think, while that's a great blessing to be exposed to some great teaching, it also can create unhealthy expectations on local church members. Mm. Most of us preachers don't preach like Alistair Begg. Yeah. Most of us don't preach like John Piper. Most of us just just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the 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 listener. I want to be careful how I say this in the local church mm-hmm. has a responsibility to be an active listener. Mm. And I find myself slipping to this where I'm like. Entertain me. Right. To sound like Brian Regan. Bring me a goblet of something cool and refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> Stimulate my cerebrum and make sure that my pistons are firing at all cylinders. I mean, be engaging, be funny, be witty, be smart, be subtle, be sophisticated. Be, I mean, not that anybody's thinking of it like that, but there right. can be, I, I, and I see it in myself, a very passive yeah. Dare I say lazy approach to listening. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, Jesus says, be careful right. how you listen. Yeah. In an auditory culture, an oral culture like that. I mean, my goodness, the Illid and the Odyssey were passed down for centuries. Right. Because people weren't just good storytellers, they were good receptive listeners. Yeah. That burned this in. I think the congregation should come, and I, I I failed with this with my own kids. I, I'm not putting this on them, I'm putting this on me. I wish I had emphasized that more mm. because often I, I hear it among everybody. How was it? Oh, it was okay. He wasn't a great speaker. I didn't quite. I get it. Yeah. And that is 
a challenge. Um, but if God's word is being opened up yeah, and it's being read and somebody is pointing to it and talking to it, I think we have a biblical obligation yeah. to actively, prayerfully, in faith, listen, mm-hmm. to be quick to apply, mm-hmm. uh, to ask the Holy Spirit to impress upon us things. I'll get more into this next week. Yeah. Because uh, I've, I've actually thought of writing something on this, how to listen to a boring sermon. Mm. But I definitely think a, a good place to start is, Lord, the person up there is got a person of clay feet. Yeah. Uh, he is not Jesus. He is a vessel. Yeah. He is a, every preacher you ever heard is experiencing great inner conflict. Yeah. They are not living this truth. Yeah. Consistently. Only Jesus does. I am trusting you, Lord. Speak through your vessel. Yeah. Help me not use his deficiencies, which there will be many, right? as an excuse to not lean in and listen to you. Yeah. So that's my little yeah. sermon on sermons. Yeah. No, I, th- <laughs> I, I think that's good um, and a good place to, to start. And, and it may be a good exhortation and place to say, okay, this is where we as the hearers need to start retraining what we're listening for and how we're listening to yes. the gospel being preached. Um, you know, and that's, I mean, that's very different than uh, listening to a sermon where the gospel isn't preached. Yes. I can remember years ago, I was visiting a friend of mine uh, and we, we, we were doing a little bit of critiquing of the service. And I think in a right way, because one of the things that we came away with was, was there one song that was sung that actually, when you look at it, was had anything to do with Christ and what he did for us. Right. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, this one that was sung kind of deals with it. Yep. But really nothing else. Like if you, if you took, you know, these key phrases out of here, it could have just as easily been a love song to a boyfriend or girlfriend. Yes. Um, okay, so there really wasn't anything that. The message... Did he actually use scripture within context of what he was preaching? Well, no. The context of the scripture he was using is actually this context. He just kind of pulled it out of its context to make a point over here. And and I think that's a right way to critique preaching. Uh A wrong way to critique preaching is, uh, I'm sorry, if somebody is getting up there, they could be the most monotone, Ben Stiller, Bueller... Right. voice out there. Yes. But if they are walking you through uh, Christ's grace and his mercies for us, right? Uh, yeah. Thinking of, uh, you know, uh, Romans, um, yep. Romans 12, 1 and 2, um, you know, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Yep. Um, and we are working through that and what that means and how that can change and impact our life. Uh it does not matter how dynamically that is being delivered or not. Uh, we should pay attention. Agreed. Dude, uh, and that, yeah, uh, it's going to be hard not to get into uh, 
into that. But well, and we will. We'll uh, we'll get into that. But I think I yeah. think this is a good place to start. Is is start retraining ourselves as hearers. Oh yeah. To to hear and listen to what's important and and critique what's important. Right. <clears throat> I I agree. And what are the Bereans doing? Yeah. They're 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 active listeners. Yes. And they're active follow uppers. Oh, these men are saying some really interesting things. And there seems to be a preoccupation with content, not style. Yes. Often we like speakers, let's be honest, because we like their style. Right. Right. We like their style. We like their panache. We like their approach. We like their tone. We like their stories. We love their Scottish accents. Um, it's great. Yes. Great. The great chapter. Uh, I can't do it. Um, but it is a... Um, you know, and believe me, I've often thought, man, if Brian Cranston was an evangelical preacher, <laughs> dude, I mean, that scares me. He could probably be doing health, wealth, prosperity stuff, but I'd want to hear him do it uh, just to hear that voice. You know, I mean, it's just it, it, a certain voice that's just like, man, why didn't the Lord give me that voice? Um, so I, I think we we really have to battle that uh preoccupation with style and method and dude we're 21st century americans yeah we are exposed to the greatest most highly produced stuff ever right ever yeah the movies the special effects the the audio smooth outs the, the there's just so many things and to just say lord your word matters yeah the content matters help me take that content Think it through with scripture that I yeah. already know. Boy, this is really good. This does resonate with my understanding of scripture. This I've missed this, but I see it now. You know, those yeah. are the best reactions. Yeah. Um, and then the the speaker gets a little lost. Yeah. As he should be. Yeah. And the truth stands out. Yes. Right. Uh, yeah. So I would say, like you know, as a younger preacher, yeah, I I loved compliments. Mm-hmm. I, who doesn't love compliments? Right. You know, I mean, I, sure, I still like them. I'm, I'm happy I'm at a place they're less important to me. Yeah. You know, I, I'd love to say they're not important to me at all. Well, yeah, well, I wish that were the case. But they're a lot less important to me. Yeah. And when a person says, I, I get this more clearly, mm. that's exciting. Yeah. Because the speaker's fading to the background and the truth. The is word shining. of God is shining through. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, we are uh, out of time, uh, Greg. You know, we, we talked about the holidays. We were we were going a little shorter, uh, yeah. more forty five minutes. How long we uh, had, dude? We're we're at fifty three, so oh! we're kind of coming out of the holidays now. Yep. Um, you know, I think this is good for your soul, right? This isn't uh, the the dreariness of January. Yes. Uh, getting I, a little bit in here in the recording studio yep. and letting it go a little longer, I taking like your it, mind dude. off it a little more. So I like it. Uh, looking forward to next week where where we talk about kind of the aftermath of of the sermon you know our response to the message yep. um and and we're almost going to build back into a cycle so we'll finish this final piece and we'll connect this circle yep. of of okay so now it's time to prepare again once we finalize our our last few things okay beginning to prepare again for the next yep, one and i like it starting that all over again and then we will finish january with uh, what we what we just talked about, Greg? What do we do with a boring sermon? Yes. Uh, now, dude, I do need to uh, correct you, brother, for one. Yeah. I need to be a Berean. Something you said um, it was uh, it bordered on sacrilege. Uh, <laughs> just dude, one thing. <laughs> yes. When you mentioned the iconic Bueller Bueller 
You said Ben Stiller. Oh, Ben Stein. Ben Stein. Oh. But dude, uh, I forgive you. See, all you needed to do was say, I said Ben Stiller, and I was able to immediately you say, say you Stein. You knew it's Stein. Yeah. Yeah. Bueller. <clears throat> yeah. It's yeah. powerful stuff. But no, uh, Ben Stiller, that would be interesting to see Stiller <laughs> in that role. I want him to do it in 1999. Bueller. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Mystery Men. Wasn't his name Mr. Furious? I think so, yeah. Where he had no really real superpowers, right. but he would just get really, really angry. Right. <laughs> It's almost like his character he played in Friends. It, it is. It is. Oh, my goodness. It is the same. Dude, or, uh, I mean, Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Really? It's like, what's that? Oh, yeah, now your back's going to hurt, Grandma. You just picked up landscaping duty. Uh, anybody else's uh, fingers hurt? I didn't think so. Um, so, see, this is what we bring to the class. I mean, why? we could quote Luther and Spurgeon. Why do that when we can quote Stiller? That's right. And Sandler. <laughs> there we go. We'll leave it at that. Oh, my word. <laughs> I, I almost feel bad leaving it like that, but you yeah. know what? <laughs> We're just going to leave it This is what there. we do. That's what we do. And until the next time, we just rock the Casbah. Thank you again for listening to These Go to 11, an unchurchy conversation about everyday faith. Once again, please make sure you like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. And if you ever find yourself in the Forest Hill, Maryland area, please feel free to stop by at 135 Industry Lane, and you can get all of our service times and information at ChristFC.org. These go to 11.